It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim GK, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim GK. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to talk about finding the business, finding the business in the government. So selling to the government, we went through a whole ser- uh, series for the last seven days of, of how do you start from A to Z. Now, this is giving you the opportunity, in this particular episode, where to go to find the business. Go to, to kind of give you a synopsis. You can go to find RFP. They have a program that you can go through for a seven-day free trial. You can pull all the federal and state and local bids. Of course, federal uh, Fed bid tops or FBO.gov is another opportunity. Another opportunity you can look at is uh, Fed uh, vendor. Another one you can look at is Fed bid. Fed bid is slightly a little different. It's a bid process. Um, the cheapest bidder is the one that wins, so it's just price-driven. But make sure when you submit your bids for a uh, Fed bid that you include your fee that you had to pay to Fed bid part of your pricing, uh, so you won't take a loss. So the uh, other than that, we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll begin with the pre-recorded show that we've, we've done uh, last year. So just hang in there. You listen to the Core Business Show. We'll be back at the station break. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet.
Okay, this is what we're going to do in this. We're going to show you how to locate some uh, opportunities. We're going to show you that, that you can dramatically benefit from subcontracting or teaming or seeming as a protege. You probably hadn't heard about the protege arrangement where the government can put in a prime contractor's contract the requirement that uh, the prime contractor uh, bring in a protege and show that protege essentially how to do the business. They would do that if they were in an area where there were not a lot of people that were performing what that government agency needed done. The teaming agreement, we'll get some uh, some detailed words on the how to do a teaming agreement. Don't react to things. Don't react to things. Be out there doing the job. There's a lot of ways of networking with federal buyers and so on. Uh, there's a lot of uh, conferences. In this area, or in the whole country, there's an organization called the National Contract Management Association. And they have chapters all over. It's called NCMA, National Contract Management Association. In, in most cases, most of these chapters, the government buyers are going to be members. Uh, and so you want to become members too. And it's not expensive. It's a, I don't forget the yearly membership is... I don't know, 50 bucks or something. And there's monthly meetings, and there's uh, presentations that they put on. There's presentations that individuals put on at those meetings. There are uh, committees that you can get on. And find out in that particular uh, uh, chapter who it is in, the, in those government people that buys or is associated with the things that you sell. And then call on them. Hey, I, you know, I saw you at the meeting uh, last night. Can I stop by tomorrow and, uh, and give you a little rundown of what we do? It's a tremendous uh, entree. And part of the reason, the government recognizes uh, that there's benefit to this type of networking between government and industry. And they encourage people to be part of NCMA because that's a, it's, a, it's a relatively structured way of doing that networking, that interfacing. That organization incidentally has been around since uh, when I was... Uh, I was working for the Navy from uh, 63 to 67, and I think it probably started in that 65 range. There have been a couple of other organizations that got together and became the National Contract Management Association. So they've been around a long time. They've got a lot of senior people that are members of it. Uh, uh, you'd find directors of contracts at various locations would be part of that NCMA, get a chance to uh, network with them. When you're networking with them, ask about what's coming down the line. What do you see coming down the line that might be of interest to me? And, and truthfully, these people are, are interested in talking to you. But they're not in a position to go out and find you. You have to find them. Once you find them, they're interested in talking to you. I used to love to have people come in and talk to me. And most people are saying, these people are uh, gregarious. You know, They wouldn't be in this kind of a business if they weren't, probably. They like, they like to talk to people. And, and, and government contracting from the government standpoint is fun. So, you know, they like to talk to people. So don't be reluctant to go in and talk to these folks. They'd love to have you come in. You have to be selling long before the procurement uh, is issued. You have to be in there doing the marketing. That You have to have some input in the way that solicitation is structured as to the way that statement of work is written, as to the way the specifications are that are around that uh, machine operation that they want you to do.
If you have a machine that will do uh, a lot greater precision than is ordinarily available in the marketplace, get that put in the statement of work. Make sure that, that you've stressed that with your customer. If you have some unique uh, translation capability, uh, you have somebody that uh, is the only person in the country that speaks uh, Uzbek from uh, Pakistan or Afghanistan, you know, get that in the requirement. You can get your feet wet in the government marketplace by being a sub. In, in, in the absence of having a GSA schedule and not wanting to go through a, uh, uh, the 268-day RFP process, you can get yourself as a subcontractor to one of these primes that are in the area. And that's a very fast turnaround time. Uh, once they decide they want to deal with you, they can issue an order in you know a couple of weeks. And you then have two things. You have access to that customer, a government customer, and now you've made a commercial sale. If you're a subcontractor, you're not selling to the government, you're selling to another business. That's a commercial sale. And you've discounted it, certainly, because you wouldn't get the business otherwise, probably. But when you disclose in your GSA schedule application, hey, to my resellers, I give the following discounts. And that's the discount you use when you got that subcontract. All kinds of Internet sites. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Internet has changed the world for a lot of people. Uh, you can find out tremendous amounts of information on the Internet. Uh, just put uh, what it is you want to sell in your, uh, uh, in your Google search engine, and you'd be surprised what's going to pop out as to who buys that, uh, who else is selling it, what kind of specifications are surrounding it. The bid boards. The, almost every agency will have its own uh, bid board in addition to FedBizOps. There's also uh, commercial uh, bid service sellers out there that you can sign up for, and, uh, and they'll match your capabilities with uh, solicitations that are coming out. And that's kind of a crutch for if you don't have a, uh, an elaborate uh, marketing organization. You can use these people to ferret out the opportunities for you. Teaming arrangements. We talked about teaming arrangements. Each local agency that does procuring is probably going to have a uh, registration list. And there's a couple of reasons for, for getting on those lists. In many government agencies today, and probably most government agencies today, there's uh, security requirements. Uh, you can't just walk in and, and uh, uh, walk around the halls. Well, if you get on a uh, solicitation registration list, you're going to have gone through that security process in most cases. So you're going to have better access to the, uh, to the building. Subnet for uh, subcontracting opportunities. Submit unsolicited proposals. If you know that this agency has a requirement, it's because you've been talking to somebody or you ran across somebody in the NCMA meeting that they're worried about something, they're trying to decide what they're going to do about something, submit an unsolicited proposal. Show them how you can solve it. In many cases, they'll just turn that around and give you a contract to do that. It'll become sole source to you. Procurement database. We talked about procurement database. Key thing, to, to know where you've been so that you know where you want to go. Each prime is going to have a, uh, a list of uh, suggested uh, 
subcontractors. No, at IBM, we had a uh, everybody that we talked to as a particularly small business subcontractor, we got a lot of information in on them and kept it in a database and referred to that when we had a requirement. Make a call. Make a call. Make a call. Every day. Put on your bulletin board. Tomorrow, I'm going to call John Smith. Tomorrow, I'm going to send an email to so-and-so. Make sure that you touch a customer if you possibly can every day. Every day. There are all kinds of conferences around the, around the country uh, in your particular industry. Make sure you, you find out what those conferences are in your industry and attend them. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on, I think, in the, in the wind, wind electricity generation field that these two guys ought to be involved in, ought to be attending, yeah. Now, obviously, you're not going to go across the country for every one of these, but make sure you know what's going on in your part of the country uh, so that you can attend them. FedBizOps, we talked about that. FedBizOps is a tremendous asset. FPDS.gov, go there and see what they have to tell you. Uh, the Army single-faced industry, they have their own, their own subset of all these procurements that, uh, that applies to the Army. Navy has the same thing in, in uh, e-solicitations. Each agency has a website. Go to those websites. Find out what they're buying. Find out uh, the interesting... Because most cases, these agencies will have a little a little blurb as to what's going on in their, their particular uh, activity. You know, what, what are they... Look, new ship they're launching or, or whatever it is that they think makes good PR for that agency. You know, read those things. And, and those can be tips to alert you to what they're, what they're going to be doing next that you might be able to help them with. Colorado has a, has a website that's very specific, actually. It goes to uh, uh, tell you exactly who to call in a particular activity. It's very, very, very uh, useful, very specific. Not that, not that the guy you're going to call is is, is going to uh, you're going to end up with a contract with them, but you're going to have an entry uh, into the agency. They're going to have an entry into that organization, and they're going to be able. That guy's going to be able to tell you who you should be talking to, or if he can't, he'll refer you over to the small business guy who can help you. But you've gotten an entree that way. You've got a name. And you can, when you call the next guy, you say, gee, I just talked to John Smith, and he suggested I call you. It makes the whole process a lot more legitimate in the eyes of the second guy you call. There's some commercial bid searches out there as well, uh, which you ought to check out, see what they can do for you. I think those are all listed in your, uh, in your book. We talked about teaming arrangements. Uh, as I said, in the, uh, in the commercial world, a, uh, this teaming business is also often referred to as a strain of trade. Because in the, in the industry, many people would team with another company that did the same thing they did. And it was called getting the competitor off the street. So now instead of competing with uh, two guys, now you've split up the business a little bit. He's going to get this, I'm going to get that, we're going to go in as a team. Well, that's not what the government has in mind with uh, teaming arrangements. They are looking at teaming arrangements where they're complementary capabilities. This guy does something that the first guy doesn't do. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. As I said, one of the team members becomes the prime and the other becomes a sub. 
Now, the teaming arrangement has to spell out who's going to be the prime and who's going to be the sub. And it has to spell out which part of the business the sub is going to get. You could find yourself in a teaming arrangement with a prime, and it's all, uh, yeah, this is what we're going to do, and it's all kind of uh, understood. And the prime gets the contract, and uh, you never get the call as a sub. You never get anything because you never had a requirement to uh, determine that you were going to get a particular part of this. And the part of it that you should get is the part of it that you wrote the part of the proposal for. There's going to be parts of this proposal. There are going to be technical parts. You want to do the part that covers the machining, and you want to make sure your teaming agreement says you're going to get that work when the prime contract gets assigned. And they would expect you to have done that proposal activity at your expense. You do that work because you spent the money to do the uh, the B&P to win the contract. So that you need to make sure that the teaming agreement establishes that you're going to get that work once the prime contract is signed. You get to build relationships. You prove yourself through outstanding performance once you're a member of that team and you're a subcontractor. You're going to get new business out of that probably because you've you've been a good performer and you've got a, now a, a reference for past performance. You know, when you go in to see a customer and you say, I'd like to do the following for you, the first question is, have you ever done that before? Do you have any experience with that? I mean, it's the same as when you get a job, right? These proposals are very much like resumes. You're, you're trying to sell the fact that you've got capability that will answer the requirements of that, uh, that agency. And, and if you can say, look, I've done that same thing three times. I've put in three whole farms of, uh, of these uh, wind generators. I've done them offshore. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a strong uh, recommendation when they're trying to decide who they're, whether or not they're going to do business with you. Have you done it before? So by establishing that you have done it before, a tremendous boon when you're in your marketing. Central uh, items in a teaming agreement. Uh, the second one is uh, uh, notice of intent. Notice of intent. You are going to get this particular business for this prime contract when the contract is awarded. This, and you're going to describe it exactly so that it's no misunderstandings when the time comes to get that contract. In many cases, you're going to have disclosed uh, maybe proprietary information to go into that proposal, to go to that ultimate government customer. The teaming arrangement has to provide protection for that intellectual property that you've divulged to that prime contractor. By uh, protected, I mean it has to say who can see it. It has to say what happens when this teaming agreement is over. Uh, it has to say that the copies of it are controlled, like just like classified information, and they get destroyed at a certain point. When the teaming agreement is over, there's going to be a, a provision in there that says this teaming agreement is good for 12 months or until the prime contractor is awarded, whichever occurs later, you know, something along those lines. At the end of that 12 months or when the prime contract is awarded, these protection of intellectual property uh, provisions come into play. Now, if the, if the prime contract is awarded and you get the sub, then the uh, intellectual property is probably going to be used in the performance of the contract. And you want to say that. It'll be, it'll, it'll be used in the performance of the contract, but it has to be protected in the following way. Who's going to see it? How many copies are going to be made? Et cetera, et cetera. 
And when the uh, teaming agreement ends at the end of 12 months, the contract was awarded to somebody else or the procurement was, was uh, canceled or whatever, the teaming agreement is going to come to an end at some point. At 12 months is up, the non-disclosure agreements and protection of uh, intellectual property then come into play and stuff gets destroyed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The teaming agreement has to also state that the prime cannot use the information that you've supplied as part of this teaming agreement in another procurement. That's your information. That's your proprietary information. And if they, if they want to use it, fine. Come back and ask me and see if I want to be a team member on another, that other deal as well. But you can't use that information, non-disclosure. You can't disclose that information to other people. And you can't, of course, can't disclose their information either. Again, we talked about the, uh, the there has to be a termination clause in the uh, teaming agreement. Uh, negotiation of the teaming agreement, on the prime side, there's going to be somebody from their contracts slash legal organization that's going to be negotiating that, that uh, teaming agreement. Uh, in many cases, they're going to try to overpower you. They're going to try to dazzle you with uh, the fact that this guy is a lawyer and, and so on. Don't be dazzled. You know, this is your business. And, and uh, you have every right to have that teaming agreement uh, read the way you want it to read, just as much as they do. There's going to be provision in there for handling disputes. Uh, most teaming agreements are going to limit you to a uh, dispute resolution process rather than going to court. They don't want, they, nobody wants to get involved in court cases with these uh, teaming agreements. So there's going to be specific dispute resolution provisions normally inserted in them. And in the case of going to court, you can often prove uh, actual damages and get paid damages. So for instance, they, they get the prime contract and you don't get the sub, and the teaming agreement said you're going to get the sub. You know, if you could go to court on that, you could prove actual damages. Hey, I spent this much doing the uh, proposal. Uh, I provided uh, support when we were doing the, uh, the uh, display to the government. We went to the pre-bid conferences, and this is what I call, I need to get reimbursed for that. Well, normally they'll put in here that uh, damages for either case would not exceed X dollars, just so that uh, you don't have to quibble about that and go into court with it. And you'll find out very quickly which of these primes you can trust. And there are some you can't. I mean, we found people, we found people uh, at IBM that we would not team with because they would not honor the uh, teaming arrangements. Yeah, why are you a good teammate? You help them meet their goals. In many cases, you're going to fill a technical need that they don't have. So they want you on there for, for that purpose. And it's quid quo pro. I mean, you're, you're benefiting from this the same as they are. I mean, this is not a, uh, a one-way street. They're coming to you for some reason. They want you on a team for some reason. They either want you on the team because you file a technical need or your uh, classification does them, gives them points. The last one, you could be window dressing. You could be. You could be window dressing. You could be a small business, woman-owned small business, and they want to hold up and say, look, look, i got a woman-owned small business involved in this. And from your standpoint, it's kind of a put-down, but it's also an opportunity because you're going to be in the contract. <laughs> you're going to get some business out of this, and you're going to get into that agency. And they're going to say, yeah, you were just a woman-owned contract in window dressing when he was selling it. But if people are performing, you got an opportunity. It, it can give you an opportunity. 
Cushing. What are the other party's intentions? What are the other party's intentions? Do they intend to shaft you when the time comes? What are the things that we can agree on? What are the things we can't agree on? What are the things that we have to have in order for it not to be a deal breaker? And both sides are going to have those. And, and I took a uh, negotiation course many years ago. <laughs> but the, the instructor was making the point that everything is negotiable. Everything has a time value, a time value or a dollar value. Uh, and, and make sure that when you're in these negotiations that you listen carefully to what the other person is saying, what the other party is saying, because many cases they'll tip off what, the, what are the most important things to them. In many cases, those are things you don't care about. You couldn't care less. Give them that. Well, you don't have to, you know, you, you've worked that into your offer. Yeah, I'll agree to that, but we get the following. So just make sure you listen in these in these negotiations when you're going through this. Uh, I, when I was in England dealing with the uh, the aircraft manufacturing company, we were trying to negotiate a contract for 1.6 billion dollars, and they came up with this thing: we we need you to agree that you will never compete with us. And I kept saying, well, you know, that's that's a hard thing for an American company to do to agree we can't compete with you. Why don't we? Put that aside, and we'll continue. We'll get all these other things agreed to, and the prices and stuff. And it, it kept coming back up, you know. Finally, I, I said to the guy, "Look, what's bothering you about us competing with you? We're a computer company. You're aircraft manufacturers. Why are we going to compete with you? How are we going to compete with you? Why are you concerned?" Turned out that British Aerospace would often bid this company's helicopters without getting a quote, and they would go and they win a contract. And they'd come back to uh, EHI and say, okay, I've got you in my contract here at $10 per helicopter. That's what you're going to have to agree to. And he said, we can't. We, I said, look, I can't agree that we won't compete with you, but I will agree, and I'll put words in the contract that say we will never bid your products without getting a quote from you. Oh, we love it. We'll do that. Bing, 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 they signed. And we signed that. <laughs> we, we spent all night, literally all night, Initialing pages of that contract. Because <laughs> in England, they initial all the pages of the contract. But we solved that just by listening, just by finally, finally listening. What is the problem that you're trying to protect yourself against here? Because it didn't make any difference to us. We weren't going to do it anyway. If I, if I would try to bid their product without getting a quote, I'd been shot. My management would have shot me. You can't do that. What do I want? What do I have that's so important to them? And, and use that in the negotiations. There's another group of people that give negotiation courses, and uh, one of the questions they ask is, what's the cost of not reaching agreement? What's the cost to me if I can't reach agreement with this guy? What have I lost? What business have I lost? And so on. That's, that's what we're trying to say here. Can I live without what I wanted to get out of this agreement? What's the cost to me of not reaching agreement on my on my terms? You're listening to the Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. 
Again, the same things we've talked about, relationships, uh, outstanding performance, gets you new business, establishes uh, references. And subcontracting is a tremendous way to get experience with government contracts because in many cases the prime is going to pass down requirements that are in the prime contract into their subcontracts. And so you're going to be faced with a lot of the same socioeconomic clauses uh, and, so, and other clauses that you're going to face when you're dealing directly with the government. So you get experience with that. When you want to be a subcontractor, you want to you want to let the prime know what part of that deal you want. What piece do you want out of that whole pie? In, in many cases, when you're in that agreement phase, you would specify, well, I'm going to get the machining part of that. In addition to stating that, you want to say what percentage of that contract you're going to get. Because you can tell that from the from the proposal. You can tell where your costs lie in the total that's being proposed. And that's the percentage of that total package you want to get. And you want to spell out what it is that you're going to do in that machining. I mean, you want to, the, the agreement has to reflect what's in your proposal so that you get exactly what you paid for when you supported that proposal activity. We talked about mentors, uh, mentors and protégés. The mentors benefit from that, obviously, by getting their small business uh, quotas answered, responded to, accomplished. Uh, they also they also can benefit by going through that small business to get small business set-asides. They could become a subcontractor then. The mentor becomes a subcontractor to the uh, protégé. Uh, again, the, the protege, the small business has to provide 51% uh, of the total work when you're doing a uh, small business set-aside. You can't, you can't be the front. You actually have to do 51% of the work. And the protege uh, becomes experienced in dealing with the government contracts. So we talked about locating opportunities. What are the benefits that you get from uh, subcontracting, teaming? You present yourself as a valuable uh, resource not only to the government, but to prime contractors, to teammates. And make sure you negotiate a, a teaming agreement that is acceptable to you. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.